Hello, everyone. Tim Kay here, host of the Veterans Project podcast, founder of the Veterans Project and founder of the Caregiver Project as well, to talk to you about a very close friend and Red Friday partner of ours, the Mississippi Coffee Lady. Joy Rogers is a Starkville native, Marine Corps officer's wife, and is the founder of the Mississippi Coffee Lady. She is a talented roaster who also loves our troops and caregivers and understands the importance of sharing our legacies. Now, Joy knows without capturing those legacies, we lose the importance of our men and women who so bravely served overseas and on the home front. So, if you buy a bag of her artisan roasts, On Red Friday, she gives every single penny to the projects. That's right. Every bit of that sale goes to the projects and insurers. Our lives and legacies are never forgotten. Now, I brought up the importance time and time again of hashtag one person. It takes one person realizing the importance of both the Veterans Project and the Caregiver Project to create a positive impact in our storytelling community. When you get behind our cause and purchase a bag of coffee on Friday, you benefit the project. It's simple as that. And she's doing a giveaway every Friday as well. Simply share your favorite project from the Veterans Project and the Caregiver Project via Instagram or our Facebook, and you have a chance to win a bag of her beautifully handcrafted roasts. So what do you say? Just head over to the MississippiCoffeeLady.com on Red Friday, buy a bag, and support the project. Easy as that. When you think of rural Mississippi, your first thoughts might not immediately take you to the arts. But that's the problem with stereotypes. Although some of those cliches may have a theoretical foundation in some truth, there are so many issues with generalizing a certain region or demographic people group. Mississippi may be known by many for its lack of solid public education, issues with racial tension, or non-progressive leanings. But the truth is, it was a place full of cultural icons. Morgan Freeman, Elvis Presley, B.B. King, Oprah Winfrey, James Earl Jones, Ike Turner, Britney Spears, Faith Hill even Diplo, and that's just to mention a few. There's something special about the cultural melting pot that's made Mississippi what it is, a birthplace of modern music and foundational to the creative arts in many ways. Our next guest is another example of the problems with stereotyping Mississippians. In fact, his whole family is as well. You might remember one of our guests, Jesse Phillips, an incredible artist in his own right and one of my best friends. His brother, Jacob Phillips, served as a captain in the United States Army and deployed to Iraq. His service to this country is a usual marker for the servant-minded attitude of the Phillips household, but so was his path in the arts. He didn't follow the most conventional route to get there, but now his vocal talents have taken him to television sets around the world, with appearances on Sunday Night Football, the NFL Hall of Fame, commercials for Infinity, Snap-on, Jim Beam, the Special Olympics, and Mossy Oak. Still, if you spoke to Jacob in person, he'd probably fail to mention any of this. Instead, speaking about the resilient love of his father, who tragically passed after a battle with cancer some years ago, and a faith in Christ that defines his journey on this earth. You've heard him in our intros and outros on every single podcast. Here he is, the very talented Jacob Phillips. The Veterans Project is a comprehensive essay capturing the legacies of our warfighters, caregivers, and civilians who have stepped forward in defense of our patriotic principles in an effort to capture their stories and to never forget the staggering sacrifices of our nation's finest. This is the Veterans Project Podcast, where our legacies are the mission. Here's your host, Tim Kay. 
Welcome to the Veterans Project Podcast. My name is Tim Kay, and I am your host as always. We have the beautiful, the incredible, <laughs> he just laughed. Jacob, Let's cut to the chase. <laughs> Jacob, I know, I was just going to carry this on for a long time here. Captain Jacob Phillips on the show. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. So, Jake... And I, just to give a little background, we're really good friends. Um, well, I say we are. He's smiling right now. I don't really know. Um, debatable. Debatable. <laughs> but Jake and I are really good friends. Uh, we actually met at Sundance um, when we, I had a gallery there, obviously, with Jesse Phillips's brother, who was on the podcast a couple of days ago. Incredible Marine, great guy, great artist, very talented artist. Well, I meet his brother, and he's like, you're going to like my brother, I can already tell. And this 6'4"? Six, 6'5 six, and a quarter. 6'5 and a quarter man walks in. He just has this commanding presence. But what I'm struck by the most is he was just super kind right away. And uh, that humility extended itself to everybody in the circle. And one of the things I noticed, I really want to compliment you on, Jake, was immediately you had this way where I would tell you, I could tell you would find the guys. You reminded me of Nate in that regard, Nate Boyer, and that you would find people. Oh, high praise. Yeah, it is very high praise. And, and I mean that. I say that yeah. silly, in a silly way, but of I course. mean that. Well, I say that's debatable, but <laughs> but um, no and Nate. But, you know, you in that circle, man, were just like looking for the people that, you know, you could tell them didn't matter as much to others, right? And you were in those corners talking to them and seeing who was, um, you know, not necessarily the VIP or celebrity in the area. And I noticed that about you immediately from talking to the people at the bar who were bringing up drinks or just you immediately could, were in other circles. And I admired that about you. So, Jake, I just want to say I'm glad to be your friend. Glad to have you here. Let's talk a little bit about life. Let's do it. What gave you that sense of humility? Like, you know, you... you talking to others in those circles, you know, what, what is that an extension of? Is that how you were raised? I think a big part of that is my dad, who is, uh, he passed away in 2013. I guess I was 29 at the time, but he uh, always taught me a Bible verse and it's, uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Treat everyone how you would like to be treated. And I grew up being you know, told to be thoughtful. You need to be thoughtful of others, that kind of thing. So I think that that's that was instilled in me from a a child and then I'm from a big family so you it's very hard to be extremely selfish and thrive in a big family you kind of just have to even if you don't like it you're going to have to learn to share and you know you don't get the last piece of cake necessarily you might have to cut it into 10 parts that kind of thing <laughs> literally and, uh, 10 parts yeah, for yeah. your family yeah so uh, part of it was instilled and then part of it is out of necessity i suppose but i don't i don't think anyone is I, mean, I think I think everyone's a sinner. I don't think anyone is right. just really. Maybe it's easier on some people, but everyone's going to have to work to be thoughtful of others. Most people are pretty selfish, and you'll notice that, especially in some of those art circles. You know, not to hate on anybody in those particular circles uh, that we were at and Sundance and all that, but it's just part of kind of the crowd. You know, it's like, well, what are you doing? Well, what are you doing? Well, what are you doing? It's a constant comparison game, and I remember even being with Jesse in a little bit, kind of. Mm, yes, fair to say, annoyed by uh, the climate. You know, it's 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 art, and I've been around it for a while now. It's very pretentious, but you're an artist yourself. 
And I didn't know at the time that you were an artist. So I was just like, oh, this guy's a cool older brother. He's coming in. He's army. So he's way wiser than Marine. So true. <laughs> true. And uh, by the way, the cool thing about this podcast is we can make fun of the Marine Corps as much as we want. And, you know, and so one of the things that, um, you know, I know I talked to you about right away was, you know, your kind of your feelings on art. And I was struck by some of your wisdom and some of the things that you mentioned. But you've since you were working at. Um, I was in manufacturing. I was working in a tire. Right. Uh, I was a supervisor in a tire factory. And what was that uh, job like? It was uh, my my team was really good. Mm-hmm. I was a I was a warehouse uh, supervisor, so we you know worked in the warehouse, but then had some stuff in production. The um, the management was terrible, mm-hmm. but it's and I had a good boss. Thankfully, he was kind of a crap umbrella, so that's why I stayed as long as I did. <laughs> but uh, it, it reminded me of being in the army with with. Um, I mean, I was an officer in the army, and I turns out I don't like officers, so uh, <laughs> which I, means that you're the best possible officer. <laughs> Well, automatically, I, I, uh, I was not often popular with the field grades because I wouldn't whore my men out to right. details just, just to get a wink and a nod from the commander. Mm. No, no, we've been working all day. We've been on this cycle. My guys need a rest. Well, you never, you know, you're not a team player. Well, maybe not to you. I think the guys will appreciate a little time, you know, off instead yeah. of going right back into whatever you're trying to get them to do. Yeah. So anyway, um, it reminded me a lot where I was of that kind of just the, the politics and going back, you're talking about artists, leaders, or I say leaders, people and ma- managers. Yeah. I think leaders has a connotation of someone that's uh, likable, charismatic. They care about people. Someone can be in a leadership, leadership position and not be a leader, obviously, but, um, a lot of managers and it was just terrible. It, it was, it was inside the job. I uh, was inside sort of a, a soul soul squishing kind of a <laughs> that's exactly the words I was gonna use. Yeah. Soul uh, sucking existence. Yeah. So I would one of the one of the things I would do, I was over you know, I had this um warehouse and it's you know a little block office in there. So but also was over the rail yard. So we had a lot of um you know railroad cars coming in with our raw materials on it. So a lot of times I would just I would go out there and I would have monologues from Shakespeare or, or something, and I would just practice voices while I'm walking around checking the cars, making sure we've got. I mean, I was working, you know, yeah, you know yeah. checking, checking serial numbers. But hey, dude, you can be honest now. You don't work for them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that it was it was bad in in most ways. The only thing that I miss is the is the guys on my team that's the only thing i miss about that place Mm, that sense of camaraderie extending itself off of your army career right like that brotherhood the teamwork the the um the grouping of the community is a very powerful thing even in that industry uh being around it you can miss that right like it's possible but you know you said you said a few things that i really want to play off of um i like you know art you were out there dreaming of you know of Shakespeare of some of the great poets you know some of the great authors it was in you it was already in your bloodstream where did that come from I've always liked voice actors and uh, you know I've always liked movies and good music and things like that but when I was in the army I was an exo it was in garrison but I mean that was so awful I had some (laughs) <laughs> I'd, I had an absolute blankety blank of a 
commander who, who didn't like to work. It was, and I mean, that's generally, the XO is a thankless job, but in this particular case, it was, he was literally not doing his job and saying, why don't you do the XO stuff and do mine too, because I want to go over here and play like golf. golf. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So he was a poor, very poor leader. So my escape, I would go to a, a coffee shop and I was in, in uh, Fort Riley, Kansas at the time. I would go to a coffee shop in Aggieville in Manhattan, the Little Apple, and uh, mm. just get away. I would write poetry. I would just write short stories and just get away from the army. I didn't want anything. I didn't want to be in the army for, I don't know, an hour. Yeah, yeah. And so... That's cool. I didn't want to be in the army ever. <laughs> <clears throat> and I, I heard a, an audio book by a guy. I never came... Kenneth, what's his last name? Brana, Bran, something like that. Bran, I think it's Bran. Bran? Yeah. Amazing actor and voice actor. I heard him do uh, The Magician's Nephew on audiobook from the C.S. Lewis's uh, Chronicles of Narnia. And I, I fell in love with voice acting. And I didn't really think I could do it, but I thought, that's so cool. And then later, my uh, platoon sergeant, who I think his wife was, she was out of town. I'm just, I've never been the, the party type. I just, I don't, I don't go out <clears throat> to the clubs and whatnot. So he was like, uh, hey, I... Uh, you know, not meaning to be uh, weird here, but you know, I got a couple tickets to Romeo and Juliet at the uh, at, at the K State's got a great theater. That's so, awesome. so I went on a mandate with my potential <laughs> uh, to that's to amazing. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, and I can remember that is that's where I kind of fell in love with the idea of performing, and I I thought that that's really cool. So it was a lot of little events like that that led up to. Um, after I got out of the army, I worked in manufacturing and warehouses, and and I just thought, you know, this is what I'm qualified to do, but I don't like this at all. By its very nature, manufacturing is not conducive to creativity. Yeah. Uh, now, now it is if you're a problem solver, it can be, but when you have managers that don't want to be creative and solving problems, just do it like we've always done it. Well, then you just you've got nothing to, right. to keep you coming back, and so. Yeah, at, at, uh, I started doing three or four years ago, I guess. I started right at almost four. I started doing voice acting, kind of getting out there and doing some commercials and whatnot, and it's grown. And last year, I finally left the old the factory. Yeah, I was so proud of you for that movement, by the way. And, um, you know, just to give you guys a little bit of background, Jake was a company commander, right? No, I... I uh, you were a captain. But not, I was a I was a captain. I was you know. I did still that. have hard distinguishing the two, even be serving in an infantry unit. Well, <laughs> like, it, it's not. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it, enlisted boy. You don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, one of the times the the my company commander he he had a like a three month leave of absence for his wife. This was not the awful command. This this guy was actually pretty good. Right. And so I was kind of an acting commander, and which was also terrible because I didn't have any of the training. I didn't go to the you know career course or whatever. Right. It was just like, oh, there's a there's a hey kid, quit picking your nose and get over here. <laughs> and then so that was that was a tough job for me just because I wasn't prepared for it. And then plus I had to do my XO duties along with it, so that I was pretty stressed out. Hence the I, escape to. I just pictured some officer, some general officer, like walking past you, like you got two bars. Take over the company. <laughs> no, no. This I was a lieutenant at this time. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's real rough. Yeah. So, so, and and Jake, you know, served in combat arms as a calf scout, and he served overseas in Iraq as well. So 
we were appreciative of that that deployment. You know, being in a combat arms unit obviously very different than being in theater. <laughs> One of the biggest understatements of the century. Um, but really, realistically, man, there's so many diverse lifestyles I've found in the army. You know, there's so many different types of individuals in each unit. Can you kind of talk about the complexities of that and how there really is great art that can stem from being in a military career? You know, do you feel like the military kind of suppresses that in a lot of ways? Yeah, definitely. And and I mean, I think you have to. Yeah. I mean, you're the mission of, you know, the Army or the Marine Corps, the Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, fight and win the nation's wars. Right. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I don't care if you're a good painter. Let's, let's win this. <laughs> and, but at the same time, to, in order to just thrive, you need, you know, I think you need creative outlets if you have a creative bone in your body or whatever. But it's definitely suppressed sort of, oh, don't, you know, don't, don't think outside the box. Don't, right. You know, we've got this problem. Trust me, it's been tried before. You know, all the cliches. Yeah. That is just what lazy people say when they don't want to try and figure something out. Right. And then, uh, so yeah, it's definitely not conducive to creativity. Yeah. I, and I find that interesting because special operations is different, right? Like there's definitely creativity is kind of um, almost induced, you know, in the model. It's very much an outside the box type of thought process with special operations guys. I've typically noticed, not to hit on the main line troops, but typically notice that more creativity stems from the special operations world um, because they're very much taught the individual model of think outside the box, figure things out. And, you know, I realize you can't do that in the mainline army because you got you got a lot of dumb grunts, too. You know, you got a lot that, you know, where you kind of have to line things up and you're dealing with a lot of young kids. And but it is at times almost anti-conducive to winning wars in that you get stuck behind all this bureaucracy of a model, right? And then it takes like one Medal of Honor type of, you know, guy like a Audie Murphy or somebody thinking out, you know what? I'm going to go take that nest because orders are taking way too long, you know? Like exactly. I need to I need to get up there and get after it. And sometimes it's that guy, that creative, you know, mind and Audie obviously went on to act and you know, but he, you know, takes that can do that kind of creative mind to think outside the box and go, man, you know what? I know the problem. Point A to point B, kill the enemy and go home. Flags waving and we got ourselves a parade, you know? Like, <laughs> so anyways, within that creative model, you know, I found like guys like you, effective leaders, guys who are in those spots are often creative, I found, because you do think outside the box. You're thinking, okay, how do I give my men a little bit more rest, right? Like, how do I put my men in a place where they can succeed instead of worrying about yourself? And, you know, that might all stem from selflessness, which you learned growing up. Can you talk about... I don't really know where that question was going other than I love the idea. To hear the that. sound of yes. Tim K's voice. <laughs> that was exactly it. There you go. Uh, but I, you know, I admire your background. I admire, you know, your your mother, your father, the way they were raised. Can you talk about how your father, you know, pushed you into creativity? And I talked a little bit about Jesse with that, but obviously it's a little different for you because you waited a little while before you kind of got into it. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Sure. The uh, my dad was sort of your typical uh, Southern redneck. You know, he thought, um, you know, if you you, know, you better not cry, you know, don't be a sissy. You know, uh, <laughs> and this was this was in his younger days. Uh, you know, you you shouldn't appreciate 
if you sit out there and admire a sunset, there's something wrong with you. You yeah, I mean, if you're like, yeah, yeah, oh, that, wow, that's beautiful. What's wrong with that guy? You know, <laughs> it's uh, it was it was like uh, I'm too manly to appreciate beauty in any form, right? Yeah, you know, besides the ladies, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it's just like uh, I think you should be able to, you know, read a Ode to a Nightingale by John Keats and be like, man, I've I've thought that too. I've kind of just wanted to get away from it all and just fly fly away like a bird. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think that's great. Yeah. And um, my dad uh, was like that. Well, then, you know, he started reading the Bible and, he, you know, got saved. And he, that kind of changed his tune where he was like, man, if if, if Lord uh, made all this stuff, well, he, he must be kind of an artist himself. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he, uh, he would point me to King David in the Bible. He called him the sweet psalmist of Israel. He wrote uh, psalms. He apparently could play musical instruments very well. But he was also a fierce warrior, slew a lot of bad people. And, um, and he would, my dad would point to him and say, it's okay to be creative and also be good at your job, pursue you know, military or whatever you are doing. And he kind of made it okay for a, a little Southern boy to think something's beautiful or mm-hmm. a, a poem is beautiful or you know, whatever. Right. That's amazing. I mean, and that definitely translated into what you're doing now. You know, for those of you that I haven't heard, um, it's is it J.C. Jacobson audio? Yeah, so yeah. that's that's one of the um, stage names you might say. I mean, it's, I'm not on stage; I'm on behind the mic. But right. you know, a, a stage name that I use for and some that, for some stuff. And that's Facebook. Yeah, J.C. Jacobson audio. And then and what's your Instagram again? Jake Phillips, which is my name, one one six. Jake Phillips one one six. So I, the reason I bring that up is because I would love for some of the listeners to go there and check it out because Jake is a super talented voice artist who does a lot of, um, who has his own podcast. It's very good, um, and he has a lot of local talent on as well as people that are you know from some other areas. He's had myself on. He's had some other talented voice artists. I'm not quite sure why he had me on, but well, you you, uh, you you knocked old Edgar Allan Poe out of the park. So. Oh, thank you, yeah, man! Thank stuff. you. Yeah, that 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 was a lot of fun. I I love to read, and I love to read for audio. So it's it's pretty awesome to get to kind of step into his world and get to do some of that because you know obviously in college I you know went after a digital media degree, so I had some sound experience, but just seeing the way that he conducted himself in that environment was really cool. Uh, so Jake, can you talk a little bit about the podcast and you know what the idea stemmed from? Yeah, so uh, it's called The Cultured Bumpkin, and I do basically readings in classic literature. So I, I love the classics. I love literature that's withstood the test of time, and uh, people are still reading after 100 years, 150 years, that kind of thing. Looking, looking around, it's hard to find people that appreciate that and that have made it available let's say on, on YouTube or something. Now that I, I, I did, uh, one of my favorite stories is the ransom of red chief by O Henry. And I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, I went on YouTube and someone had apparently put it into the, the, the robot computer. So it was like, we were down South in Alabama. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, was, it was awful. I mean, the story was there, but it wasn't any fun to listen to. So I thought, well, Shoot, I'll just do a podcast where I read some of my favorite stories and maybe introduce people to other local artists slash uh, more obscure people from literature. Yeah. Focuses mostly on American, but I, I think there wouldn't be American literature if it weren't for the British and things like that. So I'll do, uh, I'll do an occasional foreign uh, literature 
piece. And so it's a lot of fun. So I just read, uh, I'll kind of say, you know, hey, this is Edgar Allan Poe. Here's when he lived. Here's what he did. Here's whatever, whatever. A little intro. Right. And, then, and then give them, a, a, you know, an, an audible quality reading of a poem or a short story or an excerpt. Mm. Um, and, and how much do you enjoy doing that? How much is that enlivening for you? I love that. I, I think I think it's good to always have something that you love to do and that you do not because you're making money at it. Mm. So this is, I mean, this is my hobby as far as I think, I think anything can become uh, a chore. Something you love can become a chore if you're not careful. And you see that in, let's say pro sports, you know, there might be someone making millions of dollars and they'll walk away just because it's not fun anymore. Mm. And yeah. uh, like, man, that must've been a journey to go from, this is my favorite thing to ever do. Oh, by the way, you're going to get millions of dollars to do it. And I just, <laughs> I don't want to do it. It sucks. <laughs> you know, so you got to be careful. Yeah. So one, and I, I just love, I love taking uh, a script and putting my take on it, maybe getting feedback, uh, changing a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go more. And then, um, the podcast is just, it's a nice outlet for me within the creative job that I'm in. It's, it's an outlet for me to continue to be creative on my own for free, basically. That's mm. why I just like that. You know, I, I think that you've defied a lot of stereotypes, my man. You know, there is that stereotype of being a Southern gentleman and like not, you know, n not partaking in the arts, right? And I think people don't get that. I really want to talk about that with you because I love the idea of a renaissance man. I think those are some of the toughest, hardest dudes that you could ever possibly meet or be around. You know, the George Washingtons, the Thomas Jeffersons, the inventors, the artists, the writers, the cooks. I mean, I think Thomas Jefferson knew like five or six languages, something like that, maybe more. Uh, but you know, that was common back then. And these are guys are wearing powdered wigs, you know, with like, <laughs> like little, little tight, uh, knickerbockers. Yes. Yes. But they would have kicked that booty all over the place. You know, like, I mean, George Washington had like how many horses shot out from under him? Like several, several. So what is it about being the Renaissance man? Kind of, you know, not defying that stereotype of like, Oh, well, that's that's super soft or fruity if you're reading, you know, from, you know, poetry or doing those things. What is it about, you know, defying that stereotype for you? How important has that been for you? It, for me, it's not so much like I want to be a Renaissance man. And so I'm going <laughs> to I, I, I just I, hey, everybody, I'm a Renaissance man. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I am one. Look at me. It's in, in my case, it's more. Bro, if you think that, you just go on and think. I don't care what you think. Right. I, I know what I like. Yeah. And I think when you you kind of... Um, secure within yourself. You're secure in yourself and what you believe and, and what you uh, how, how you feel about others. You know, I, I grew up in Mississippi where we've had some pretty awful uh, uh, race relations mm -hmm. in, in uh, our history. If anyone has heard if you've been alive in the past 60 years for any amount of time you know that in mississippi we've had some pretty terrible things happen and for those people uh, overseas listening mississippi is one of the um you you look up civil rights movement you'll see uh mississippi's name come up as far as incidents that happen so mm. a, a bad place uh, racially and yet my dad after he started reading the bible and saw you know that that God created man in his own image and, you know, he created and redeemed man, that sort of thing that uh, he, he brought this little white boy up and my brothers. And he said, if I ever see you treating somebody else different because of what they look like, what color their skin is, 
I don't whoop you. <laughs> right? Imagine brought down the hammer. Right. I mean, imagine if uh, if if most little white boys had a dad like that. Oh yeah. You would now. You would still have your your um, race baiters that you know try to stir stuff up. But man, that they, it would be a different place. Definitely. And I think when you when you see that you know you're no better than someone else, you got the same problems. You you, you bleed the same color. You know, it's like uh, yeah. so many things are the same. That that gives a security to who you are. Right. I think when you know who you are, you don't really care what other people think. And then I think if you're um, uh, Booker T. Washington said, "There's as much dignity in plowing a field as in writing a poem." And I think uh, that's another Renaissance that's, man, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Talk about overcoming yeah. adversity. That's a man. Yeah. Um, Him and George Washington Carver. Yep. Yep. Both incredible. Yeah, I think I think. If you just don't care what people think and you do what interests you and you look out for, you know, you're thoughtful of others. And I think you find yourself being, having a wide interest, mm. you know, and if you say, um, you know, if you're in a social setting or something, if let's say, okay, I like uh, football and I like, uh, you know, whatever. And if women, <laughs> women, and you know, if, if someone has an interest outside of that, then I don't want to talk to them. Yeah. Well, well then you're not going to be very well-rounded. So, you know, I think just, I think it can stem from a, just a genuine interest in others. You go up to someone, Hey, Hey man, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you like doing? You go college, you you know, trade, what, tell me your story. And I think people, people open up when they see that, Oh, he's not, he's not a salesman trying to sell me something. He's, he's actually interested and people will, will tell you some pretty amazing things and you can learn from everybody. And uh, even if it's how not to do something, uh, but you can learn from everybody. And I think when you, uh, when you just show a genuine interest in others, it kind of forces you into a state of renaissance mm. where you're, where you're, uh, you know, Oh, Olympic lifting. Yeah. That's awesome. Dude, you basket weave. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I talked to a guy on my podcast uh, who's basket. from um, uh, the, he's uh, has Gullah heritage. So the islands uh, off of South Carolina and he was telling me about a uh, the the how they fish and how they do uh, basket weaving from the the Gullah rushes in the in the native marshes there. And that's so interesting. Yeah. And I think um, yeah, just genuine genuine interest in others helps. You know that's interesting because uh, Jesse and I yesterday, your brother, were talking about empathy and how important empathy is in storytelling. We talked about this one moment where we were with Doc Hazard. You know, and you know mm-hmm. Doc Hazard very well. Um, but we were sitting there, you know, I was doing a project on him, still yet to be released. I'm very excited about. Um, and we're sitting there and we have in this one moment where it's like we're, he, Jesse's cramped in the back of my car. You know, he's like six, six. He's a rather large man and he's cramped up in the back of my car. And Doc is talking about how proud he is of his son. This is a World War II legend. And he's talking about that element of his son and then that connects all the humanity with the project right that sense of storytelling being the whole life not just being what would you do in combat doc being also about his son and how proud he was and he hadn't really talked about his son the whole time up until that moment and he started talking about him and he started getting teary-eyed and jesse and i were like fountains you know like (laughs) You know, we're sitting there, and there's just silence, man. And it was the most beautiful silence. And Jesse didn't talk about his leg being cramped up, his discs, you know, messed up in his back. He just dead still. 
and you're just listening to a legend and you realize in that moment you'll never get that moment back that is what it is but it's that sense of empathy in the moment and caring truly caring you know about the story i think is so powerful so i'm glad you mentioned that about you know being a renaissance man i didn't think about the empathy track that part of it that's very powerful yeah so off of that is empathy important in the podcast and what you're doing as far as, you know, talking when you have a guest on, you know, how, how important is that when you're speaking with somebody and telling their story or having them read? I think it's obviously uh, important uh, just because if for no other reason you want them to have a chance to, to, you know, have a platform to talk about themselves or to, um, you know, say something interesting to the audience. If I say everything, cause I think they're so cool. They've got nothing <laughs> to say. And right. some people are, they're natural performers and they can talk their way out of anything and make it interesting. But a lot of people, especially authors, mm-hmm. authors are, the reason why they're writing is because they don't like talking yeah. in a lot of cases. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, for an author, let's say, uh, and I'm talking like your stereotypical author, there's right. plenty of authors that are a little great. reclusive. Right. Yeah. And I say that because I'm kind of, I kind of have to fight that. I'm a little introverted naturally. I kind of have to say, okay, shake it off. Let's, uh, yeah. let's my, my wife is extremely extroverted and she, she kind of helps me. Okay. Stop Get out, you know, get out of your chair, get off your easy chair, put your book down. Let's go do something, mm-hmm. you know, so I need that. And that's good to have. That's cool. So yeah, the we're talking about the Renaissance, about yeah, yeah, yeah. empathy and being on a podcast and hosting and having other guests on. Yeah, so I, I think it's important if for no other reason you're not taking their ammunition from them. Yeah, you're uh, <laughs> you're letting them say something. I think that's and and then also it gives a wide variety. You're possibly being being the empathy for someone else that they wouldn't have done that, and yet here you are and they're listening, and now you're you're opening up some. Uh, subject matter that they wouldn't have the listener let's say wouldn't have gone out to get for themselves maybe mm-hmm. and now they're interested because of the question you asked so you can kind of help other people get out of their bubble and you know think about someone else for a change what makes them tick and that kind of thing yeah i love that and you know when you were talking about that through the course i was thinking about your growth and stepping out into this world i remember we were having those discussions about like bro, why are you working in manufacturing? You know, you remember, yeah. do you remember me like asking you about that? Yeah. I, I literally remember thinking, dude, this guy's an artist. Like I feel it. I feel it when I'm around him. I feel it when we're sitting down, we're talking about Walt Whitman or Ernie Hemingway or, you know, I'm just naming the most famous people that people know right yeah. now. <laughs> but just, you know, those types of people. And we had these very rich discussions and I'm like, this guy does not belong in manufacturing. And that's not to say you can't do that. That's fine. If that's your course and that's your path, take it. But for me, I just remember asking like, Is, are you really happy doing this? Like, dude, you know, you should strive. No. <laughs> <laughs> what about what finally made you make that jump man because there are a lot of entrepreneurs or people future entrepreneurs are gonna be listening to this a lot of people sitting on their couch you know veterans guys you know veterans who've just gotten out dude they might be in a hard place you know they might have that you know proverbial or literal you know gun to the head being a hard spot 
kind of wondering, how do I get out and do it? Oh, well, Rudy did it because he's a great actor. He's just naturally talented and beautiful. And that's not a good example to take from because while true, while true, (laughs) don't do that. (laughs) Um, Don't compare yourself to him. And then Nate, you know, obviously stepping out and, you know, I mean, I don't know if you know much of his story, but, you know, he's sleeping in his car before he joined the Green Berets, man. Sleeping in his car in Hollywood trying to get gigs, man. He was working as, like, water boat taxi guy, like, you know, doing, you know, scooter stuff, like bringing scooters back to the stations in Hollywood. So he's the one responsible for those dead gum birds that... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Did not know that about him. (laughs) Now we can't be friends. Um, But, you know, he had all these menial jobs, and, like, he learned how to get up from there, and it took him a while. How did you decide to step out on your own, and and what was the decision-making process for that? Well, I can tell you exactly the the point. I think I'd been entertaining uh, the idea of stepping away for months. And obviously, I've got a wonderful wife and three little kids. Mm, Yeah, shout out to Mary Elizabeth and the wonderful kids, because they're awesome. They're uh, so much fun, and I would... uh, you know, my job is to provide for them, even if I have to do it in a way that I don't just love. Yeah. And I really see that as my duty. You know, I'm right. going to, I'm going to make sure those kids are diapered and, uh, you know, fed, fed and, uh, got the peanut butter sandwiches or whatever, you know, regardless of if like, Oh, I am loving this. I'm going to, I'm <laughs> going to, that's number one. But in my case, my wife, Mary Elizabeth is extremely, she understands me. She's nothing like me. She's my opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she's not creative. Sorry, honey. Uh, she's extremely extroverted. Yes, she's energized by large groups of people, whereas I am not. I've got no. a, like if if I if there's a large if, if you ever see me at a large gathering of a social event, you'll see me, and I'll probably talk to the same person or two for a long time rather than like, hey, how you doing, buddy? How you doing? Yeah, brother. You know, and I, don't, I don't talk to 50. I'll talk to two or three. And then I'll be out on the balcony just looking at the stars. It's true. You it's know, true. I've okay. seen it. Yeah. And, and anyway, so she was so supportive. And she's the one that was saying, sweetie, you're you're dying. <laughs> like, you're dying. dying and I'm, I'm just so blessed to have that kind of support because I wouldn't have left if it weren't for her. Honestly, yeah. you know, I, I would I would have said, well, I need to you know, bringing as much money as possible. I'm not going to be rolling any dice as far as the career goes. And, uh, she was like, no, you, you need to be doing this. That's really cool. And you know, you need to, um, we need to roll the dice together. And I was like, all wow. Right, all right. So, uh, obviously that's the main thing. Well then, then it became, okay. So I'm going to quit soon. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the exact time to go on and turn in my notice. And I, I was talking to a guy, and he was one of the maintenance guys at this facility. Country bumpkin, redneck. If you weren't from this area, you probably wouldn't understand him talk. <laughs> and uh, I've run into a few of those. But also, yeah. the best maintenance man in the whole place, and he could he could fix anything. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of talking. He's just a wise man. And I, I was telling him, here's kind of what I'm thinking. And at some point, I'm going to step away. I just don't know when it is. He, he looked at me and uh, he went, well, sometime you're just going to have to go on and make the plunge. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, what, what do you mean? And he went, well, they're always going to give you just enough to keep coming back. <laughs> and I wow. was like, man, that's, that, that would be funny if it weren't so true. 
and he curled up in the fetal position in your office and began to cry. Well, no, no, it was that, it was that day. I yeah. went, I went home and I said, um, sweetie, I think it's time. Wow. And she said, let's do it, man. And then, uh, the next time I got a dirty look in the hall, I said, Hey, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of the catalyst to getting out of there and then, uh, addressing the next point, you know, if, if anyone is, at, at the point where, you know, one of those gun to the head moments, man, somebody loves you. You don't do that. That's a bad idea. Your, your problems don't go away. They'll get worse if you go out like that. All right. Someone, someone loves you. And whether you believe it or not, I believe Jesus loves you. He's there for you and trust him. There's so many veterans that have been through what you've been through. There's, there's nothing you've gone through that someone else hasn't been through too. Don't, don't be, uh, don't think, well, no one, uh, I don't want to bug anybody. Don't, don't think like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Reach out to someone. I guarantee you there's plenty of people out there. If you reach out like, Hey man, I'm hurting. You got to help me, man. They'll drop what they're doing. I'm glad you said that too, because man, I've, I've been at the bottom of the barrel, you know, I'm facing a divorce and you know, just lost my wife in a very painful way. Um, and, you know, I felt like I kind of, I didn't feel like quitting life, but I remember praying to the Lord sometimes, like, Lord, just take me. Like, please, I don't want to be here. You know, like, yeah. just that sadness, infinite sadness where you feel like you're in the hole. And you know what? Extended off of that, man, the Veterans Project. Nice. Never had any desire to pick up a camera. And suddenly I'm like, I want to learn art because I want to not focus on myself. Yeah. And at the end of that selflessness and like finding storytelling, I found my happiest points. I found my greatest choice. It's amazing how, you know, the Bible talks a lot about that, about selflessness and how that's where, you know, our true joy is. And um, so I think the model for me was learning in that way. What, what about being in art is therapeutic to you? Or is it therapeutic? Is it just something you just enjoy and, you know, as a hobby and you're making it into a job? Or is it therapeutic to you? Do you find it to be that way? Yeah, it definitely is uh, therapeutic in a way. It's like no one is, no one can tell if you're painting a picture and I like, I like painting. I'm not good, but I, I like to do it. No one, no one can say the thing about art is no one can say, Hey, you did that wrong. You know what I mean? True. If you're, you know, if you're setting the, the tension on your M1 Abrams road wheels, you can do that wrong. <laughs> Whereas, and he knows about that. <laughs> if, if you are painting a, a picture of a landscape, it might look like crap, but no, I didn't do it wrong. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly how I want it to look. Like. Right. And there's that, there's that aspect of freedom that, you know, no, I, I like it like this. Yeah. So you can buzz on out of here. Uh-huh. And uh, I think there's, there's uh, it builds freedom in, in two ways, kind of sort of an independence of of uh kind of what i like but also hey, at some point as an artist and and you've experienced this the better you get at something more successful you get the more people are going to say the more you'll come across people that are like oh well you know that that sucks oh it's black and white <laughs> portraits they're too grainy oh, it's, it's crap like that and that means they're jealous and they've never done anything in their life right the people that would actually have good feedback for you if they were genuinely worried about you would pull you into a private area and be like, hey this is this is not going to work for you and it would be hey, genuine <laughs> what's that hey bro i want to privately tell you that this is garbage <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. uh so yeah you know I, I and that's something i'm glad you mentioned that because art is subjective in a lot of ways and um, there is obviously that 
term, that idea, uh, when you're when you're watching somebody that like you know you really can't judge somebody's art per se, um, obviously. But as you get into the market, man, you know that there are varying opinions and like ideas of how you're doing something, right? Like you as a voiceover artist, well, we need you to read this Casey masterpiece commercial like a you know like a country bumpkin. You know, you're not gonna be like, hello. I'm here for Casey Masterpiece. Yeah. Will you enjoy this fine sauce on your <laughs> sausages and <laughs> rib racks? You know, if you do that, you're going to get fired. You know, like, what is it? So, so when you step into Hello the Hello there. Hello. Do you like sausages? <laughs> you like sausages? We're just going to do British accents for the rest of the time. Um, but, you know, what is it about that you know, within the art that becomes all of a sudden you having to fulfill requests, right? Like, you, you, you can't per se suck at it. Although I guess you could too, either way. But what about it? Is it is it harder when you get in the space where you're doing it for actual work? Do you ever find yourself burnt out in that space where you kind of need a recharge? I think the only thing, yes, I, I do feel burnout from time to time. I don't think that you can live on planet Earth and not feel burnt out at some point, and you just have to deal with it. I think you could be a billionaire, and that'll have its own problems. You could be I this. Beach is so hot and the sun is so hot and the sand so white it's blinding my eyes. Barbados and, is tough this time of year. Right, and the you know this this mai tai is just the ice is melting. <laughs> you know you can there's people are going to find stuff to complain about and you can too. Right. Or you could say I am on a white beach and I've got a mai tai with melty ice and I am living it up right now. Mm -hmm. And you can you can look on the bright side. But the uh, what was the question that was around the doghouse way? Of <laughs> no, the the question was what you know within the a work. burnout burnout yeah. yeah so i think the what will kind of trigger that is when someone gives bad direction and then or kind of minimal direction like they'll you know let's say a so i do a lot of podcast intros and i'll do all kind of stuff so so someone the content creator for the commercial or whatever will say i think i want it like this and you give them exactly what they want you know and not not in like a name dropping way and so i won't drop the names but i've i've worked in you know with guys from that were in lord of the rings the uh one of the guys for the transformers films mm -hmm. like i can take direction okay i wouldn't be working with them if i couldn't right and so when i give you exactly what you asked for and then you're like um no um well then then that would trigger burnout on a kind of an accelerated right <laughs> yeah. but it's it's not really burnout it's more like what's wrong with you, man? Come on, yeah. You know, give you got exactly what be, you wanted. Tell me what you want. You know, you don't even know what you want. Right. So, and that's just frust That's that's more my problem. That's not that's not really burnout. That's just frustration with the um uh the client that you know doesn't know what they want. And then I think when you get let's say a day of two or three of those where you're doing redos two mm. or three times on two or three projects, by the end of the day you're like, good gosh, I just need to you know go whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, well, but, totally. but, but in my case, it's not extended burn. I really do like doing this. And, you know, if I, if I do have a bad day, I just kind of, I like reading, uh, like Chronicles of Narnia, get, go away oh, to another that. world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, go play with the kids or just do something that's not necessarily creative. Just get away and then uh, I'll be fine. Yeah, that's funny is you do have your definite outlets outside of creative, creative, creativity. Um, you do have your outlets. I mean, you have your family, you know, that's like, exactly. if that's not enough of an outlet, then I don't know what it is. You know, I've met your kids and they're energetic and they're plenty of an outlet, you know, yeah. like 
I, I think that is interesting though, because you kind of almost assume within this vein that, you know, when you love something like, you know, photography or writing or different things like that, like, Oh, when you're passionate about something, you never get burned out. No, that's not true. You have to take special, you know, I think, and I think personality types also play into that too. Some people get more easily burned out than others. Um, and that comes with the high highs and the low lows of being an extrovert. Uh, but for you, what has been the key to staving off burnout? You know, has it been stepping outside of those circles and getting involved with your family and, you know, maybe going out to a coffee shop and reading or, you know, what, what keeps you fresh in within your work? Well, I think, uh, ultimately it was getting away from manufacturing in my case, mm. which that was, that was like, uh, I mean, I'm a hard worker, so I can, I can do, uh, I think if you got good fun people around you then you can enjoy almost anything. You can dig a ditch out in the hot sun. And if you got a couple guys there joking around with you, you're going to have fun. And mm -hmm. yeah, it wasn't so bad. Yeah. I had fun out there. And uh, so for me, it was, I was, I was burnt out by nine o'clock every day yeah. in a factory. Wow. You mean 9am? Yes. Oh, geez. So it's kind of like, you know, show up to show up to seven, got my coffee. And then by, Oh, by nine, mm -hmm. I just like, I've had it with this wow. place. Wow. And then, Man, that's, that's tough. Whereas I think if you're doing something, that was an indicator to me that I'm just never going to thrive here. Yeah. And when you start thinking about it, they doubled my pay. Would it be worth it? Nah, I don't, I still wouldn't like it. You know what I mean? Then it, then it starts getting like, well, what in the world are you doing here? Go find something you do like. You only yeah. got one, one chance at life. That's true. I don't want to spend it miserable for 10 hours a day. There are other ways to provide for the minions than, uh, this is America, yeah. you know, where I live anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody everywhere, but in America, you're free to say, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Uh, <laughs> that's Amer that's Americans love that rebellious spirit. You remember England. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wearing a Union Jack shirt. He as is I wearing speak, a Union Jack shirt, which yeah. is very sexy. I love it. And um, I love that flag, too. It's a beautiful flag, it is. Um, even though we had to rebel. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of British. They're like, hey, I know I'm not being on Tim's podcast now. <laughs> Screw that guy. I didn't like him when he came out anyways. The best part? The red, white, and blue. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, I'm glad you made that point about uh, creative burnout and kind of how you saved that off and how that was a struggle for you being in manufacturing. I watched my dad. I don't know about you, but I watched my dad and I've watched him over the past, you know, I would say probably 30 years now um, go off to work and just, you know, kind of in a way just die every day. And my dad never complains. He's like not not a complainer, but I could just see it in him, you know, like the the weight of it on his shoulders of working. And, you know, he works for a tremendous company, has a great job, but it's one of those things where he had this dream of like, you know, being in mobile book selling and like selling books mobily and having these book fairs and because my dad just loves books, like reading, you know, nice. that's where it comes from me. And so I was always involved in the arts, but books for him are like his outlet and what he loves to do. He's always reading something different. And when he, you know, started this book business, I saw it for the first time, like this weight lifted off his shoulders. And then the collective weight that came back when he wasn't making any money doing it, because obviously the electronic market killed mobile book sales. And I saw the weight come back on his shoulders and it was just like, it almost aged him like 10 years. And watching that process was like, it's not worth it. <laughs> like, I need to find out what I love, you know, like, and so, but for you, that's tough, man, because you have a family. 
You got to provide, right? Like it was very easy for me to say, Jake, just do it, baby. Unicorn, you know, like go after it. You got this, bro. But in your head, you're like, yeah, that's cool, dude. You're single. Shut up. <laughs> but how hard is it with a family to kind of step outside of that? You know, I mean, you did have that endorsement of Mary Elizabeth, but it was probably pretty still tough with the responsibility on your shoulders to step outside, right? Exactly. And, you know, and, and on the contrary, I did not think, Oh, you're single. That was very, that meant a lot to me that you gave me that, that encouragement. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes I think, uh, in anyone sort of charting a new course is going to, is going to have some thoughts of, am I, am I crazy? Am I crazy right now? <laughs> yeah. Am I crazy that I don't want to, I want to give up the security of a, of a clock punching job for the unknown of this thing that I might like a lot better. Bro, I get sponsorships now pretty regularly and it happens to me every day still. Right. And I don't know if you'll ever get out of that. And that's one of the, that's one of the kind of wild and free wind in your hair moments is like, I don't know. I don't know how we're doing this. You know, <laughs> let that top down and let that convertible fly, baby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I you know, read the Bible every morning and I've been reading through about how Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. And you talk about going into an unknown. Here is the, they had security in slavery. Later, they even mentioned, well, we had, you know, nice food back there. And uh, going out into the wilderness and the unknown, and, and th that's kind of how it feels. It's sort of like, uh, man, last week was fantastic. I made so much money. And then, like, I have not gotten a single job in three days. Okay, I don't know where it's, you know what I mean? So there's always that, uh, that, that um, I don't know. And, and obviously, I, I don't want to make it sound like I think manufacturing or going to a job is bad. Because no, not at all. We, you, you wouldn't have, uh, I mean, if you didn't have restaurant workers, you couldn't go out to eat for lunch. You know, there, you, and people, shout out to Mike Rowe for Job Works and like all those mm, programs. Man, yes, you need I, I that love that. I love how he's, how he's brought the dignity to working with your hands, working hard. Yeah. I love that. Nowadays, you, know? you make a lot more money doing yeah. those kind of things. And, so. Um, yeah, I tell my little brothers, you know, as they're coming up into high school and college age, like, don't, don't, if you want to go to college, fine, but yeah. don't think that's the only way that you'll ever be successful. Right. Go down here to the community college, get a welding certificate oh and, you're, and you're going to be probably debt free and working, making a lot more than your buddies that are, that are working wherever else or, oh, yeah. or working at, at, a, you know, fast food restaurant with their degree. And you can and and you can go own your own company and be off in Aruba, you know, th you know, three weeks out of the year or whatever, you know, going out and chilling out and having a good time on the beach, while your other buddies are stuck in that nine to five office job and like you get one week paid or else, you know, it's like you know, so there's like this common misconception now that you have to do it that way, but you know, we're saying we're not saying step off into art. We all need that. Obviously there are going to be people, people that can do that. And I do not like this whole dream philosophy nowadays that we have in the society where it's like, everybody should just live their dreams, you know? And like everybody's outside being unicorns. We need those people who are in those manufacturing jobs because that's what extended the back of America. That's what made us what we are as a country, those manufacturing jobs. So definitely not saying anything negative against those guys. But if you believe in what you have and your passion extends into something like Jake's voice acting. Yeah. How do you get, how do you push into that? You know, how does that happen? I think you need to be tethered to reality, whatever mm. you do, right. whether you're an artist or not. And I think that's artists are notorious for not being tethered to reality. And so uh, I think if, if you are got your feet on the old 
you know, planet earth firmly, then yeah, go for something as long as you're thinking straight right. and not being, you know, thinking in, in falsehoods and making decisions on something that's not really true. I, I mean, I, I think it's good to, I think everyone's different. If you, if you have a way, uh, book of Proverbs, one of the greatest books on personal development anywhere at any time in history, uh, it says, ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. If you are going to make a transition after much thought, Mm-hmm. Make a plan, write it down. Say, hey, I'm not just going to uh, have a bad day at work and then say, you know, you can all suck it. And then the next day, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm not, <laughs> you know, you know, don't do it like that. Everybody's it, kind of probably had one of those moments. Right. As those bad days start to stack up, channel, channel that angst into something constructive, which is get, have a plan for getting out of there and uh, do something that you do like. And it might be, it might be another nine to five in another field. Maybe, you know, you're good. You, you want to go back to school, be a counselor or a, uh, you know, PT or maybe um, physical therapist. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Everybody's different. And what I like, the next guy or girl's not going to like necessarily. But uh, And that's great. But I, right. And it has to be that way. If we were all the same, we would be like little lemmings just jumping off a cliff to our death. No job market. <laughs> no, no job market. Yeah. They're all in the sea. But yeah, have a plan uh, for, for that. What are the goals for Jake Phillips and like what he's extending off into? What do you want to do with this moving into the future? Like maybe some short term and some long term goals. Okay. Okay. I would say short term and long term together. Main goal, provide for my family in a creative way. Mm. That's, that's the main thing. I'm, I'm not looking for fame and riches. I just want to be uh, lead a quiet and peaceable life and all godliness and honesty. I want to, I want to raise my kids to be great uh, citizens, teaching the Bible, obey the law, raise, raise good people, right. uh, be thoughtful of others. That's the main thing. Short term is just keep, keep growing the business. And I've, I've lately gotten into a lot of different, uh, genres. And by that, I mean, uh, audio dramas, uh, animations, a lot of commercials, but, uh, you know, video games, I'm getting into video games. That's cool. Um, uh, uh, documentaries. I just, I just did a documentary I'm excited about and working on another one. Uh, so a lot of, and then I do audiobooks also. So a lot of different uh, genres within voice acting. Mm. And then one of one of my goals, I want to be in a Pixar movie. That's, That's and, freaking uh, cool. And you know, it's interesting that I, um, and that, will it ever happen? Uh, I don't know. And I don't mean the I don't mean the guy on the uh, the guy on the uh, marquee. Those are always going to be leading a list celebrities, right? And there's nothing to do about it. But there's there are um, there are voices to be had. There are voices in those things that you don't know the guy's face or the girl's face. Right. You're, you're just, you know, they need other voice actors too. And that's what I want to do. And I wrote that down. I wrote down that goal in January. And sometimes you can have like, uh, well, I'm not there yet, but I can see progress within a, within a month. Still not in a Pixar movie, but <laughs> I was, I was in, I you're going to say you were getting a role <laughs> <laughs> now. I was in a uh, project with a guy that has been in about 15 of them. Wow. You know, a minor actor. He's these little characters. But I was in a, a, a project with him where I had, I was a uh, American, a Southern guy and a British guy. <laughs> and then both of those characters interacted with his character. Wow. And so it's like, oh, you know, the degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. Just got You're closer. There. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I can see the progress. Yeah. So, Kevin yeah. Bacon. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my goal. I want to do that. That's awesome. Um, you know, you talked about, uh, you hit on something within the middle of that 
talk that I really wanted to point out, which is the expansiveness of your operations, right? Like you get, so as an artist, I don't often know this, but sometimes I shoot weddings. Ta-da. Ta-da. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, within the vein of what I do, it's not, I think people just assume that like once you get sponsorships, like you're successful and all that. And very often I'll find myself just taking these jobs where it's like, oh, I want to expand my art. I want to remember what it was like to shoot this. It's important not to cut yourself off, right? Like within that art. Can you talk about that? About like operation, you know, you, maybe specifically you don't want to read for video games or you don't want to read for, you know, the latest documentary, but that's part of it, right? Like it's sometimes taking jobs that, you know, within your art that you want to do that you don't particularly love, right? Is yeah. that part of it? P- part of it. But also I think I'm, I've gotten to the point that I... Uh, going back to the wide range of interests on just stuff in general that can translate over into your work. So mm. I I enjoy a video game character. I've got one right now. I'm I'm a Spanish sailor. Oh, I'm cool! About to wow. Do later on today, so uh, I'll, I'll go watch a bunch of Antonio Banderas videos and then <laughs> get in the booth and uh, record <laughs> it. Uh, so that's how that works. So yeah, I th- I think that's amazing. Part of it is just. Uh, and for me, it's not the genre that I that I don't like necessarily, or or I get bored with. It might be the this is a product that is boring to me, but I'm still going to have fun with it. So I don't know. With such a wide range of possible products within voice acting, I, I don't get bored very often. That's I do sometimes, cool. but not not often. So you've got almost a, you've got almost an optimistic viewpoint of that within the art. Is like, oh, I'm not having to do video games. Like I'm getting to do video games. Oh yeah. And I mean, that's, that's super fun. Every, I think every person has done a impression of someone at some point. Yeah. I mean, that's just what we do. You know, entertaining each other is like, oh yeah. And then he was like, hi, you know, what, yeah. you give him Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> or Patrick, heads are falling off. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the, you got a wide range and then you can, uh, and if, if I ever, uh, like lately, I kind of got burnout on audiobooks. Like, man, there's so much technical editing that goes into oh, that because yeah. I do the production too. It's like, I'm just going to kind of cool it on the audiobooks for a little bit and just, just do commercials. So I've been doing more commercials and less audiobooks. And yeah, I'll, I'll do another audiobook when I'm ready, you know. That's awesome, man. Jake, you know, your career obviously has been pretty expansive. You've done a lot with your life, um, you know, from growing up, you know, in, you know, kind of rural Mississippi. Not super rural. You're pretty close to Starkville. Um, But, you know, rural as in the broader terms of the world, you know, like, and you joined the army, became an officer, went the officer route. Right. You know, I just wanted to hit on the military career just a little bit, obviously. Uh, What what led you to that officer route? What, What brought you there? I think I'd been entertaining the idea of the military. My dad, being from a big family. My dad said, you know, hey, if you want to go to college, you need to pay for it. I will help all I can, mm, but just same. I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to just write a check. You're going to have to study hard and you're going to have to whatever. So that was kind of how I wanted to pay for college. And it worked out. You know, I got a ROTC scholarship to Mississippi State. Yeah. So that was, but I think the catalyst for that was 9-11. Mm. I'd been entertaining the idea. And I think there's been, I mean, so many guys and gals all over the world that made a decision that day and I was one of them uh I was like yeah I think I want to I think I want to join the military because I love this place yeah you know I I don't I don't uh 
it's not that I hate other people. I, I love this place, and that's why I want to do it. So um, it's okay to love your country, by the way. It is okay. <laughs> it is a okay. Yeah, yeah. What well, and and within that time, what do you think was your most rewarding part of your career, or being an officer? You know, in a line unit. Um, it was a line unit. What was your most rewarding? What was the most rewarding part of? I think the the part I like the best that I. And I think I would speak for just about anyone is the people. Some of the activities you do are, are boring or awful or they suck or whatever. <laughs> uh, but the, the people, uh, that's what I like. I yeah. still have those, those friendships from, from my time. That was the best part. And then also just being right out of college. And if, if you're, uh, now I was, I was no, uh, you know, little Lieutenant Patton or anything. I was not a, a, a great you know, never going to be a general kind of a guy, but I think if you're try to be thoughtful, try to do the right thing and, and listen to your, um, your, your NCOs that have been around a lot longer than you have and don't show up thinking that you, you know what you're doing already. Cause you don't, um, listen to wisdom. Then I think you'll, you'll have a lot to take away. And so it, I was forced into situations where I had to mature quickly, Yeah, you know, and it makes you, um, you say like, man, you're kind of in charge of these people, but you don't know what you're doing. So you're going to have to listen to wise counsel and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, for me, like, I think the most valuable part of my career within the army was, you know, deploying. I loved going to Iraq uh, because I felt like for the first time I had some value there I, in mm -hmm. garrison. I just didn't feel like I was really doing anything. Yeah. And obviously I was Texas National Guard. So I was deployed in the middle of my, you know, college career playing baseball so that was a little bit of a shock to the system but you know what was to to you did you enjoy deploying overseas did you enjoy that you know that part part of finally actually getting boots on the ground and being over there or no I, th I think I liked it in the sense that I felt like I was doing what I'd trained to do and what I'd signed up to do right I was, I was over there now you know I never got into you know Black Hawk Down type of situations or or the, most of us did not you know yeah. the, a lot of the guys uh that you've had on the podcast or in the project I, I wasn't I don't know what they went through no idea what that was like right uh, but but it was rewarding in the way that you know it was like uh, again in the bible it says we are faithful servants we have done that which was our duty to do so you know the you kind of um you went and did your duty yeah it was rewarding in that way I didn't really like it yeah. Uh, just because, you know, I was, I didn't like my leadership. Mm, that, they were, that makes it difficult. They were uh, polishing their oak leaves, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, right. uh, and uh, if we're being honest, each other's knobs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said knobs in this podcast. <laughs> I, was like, I think that might be the first knobs I've gotten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from an American. Yeah. That's good. Uh, I like that. Yeah, and, and it was just so so much selfishness in a lot of ways, and I didn't like that at all. And and being, uh, I know it's Everybody's I know it's like that. On stars, bro. No, that's exactly what mm -hmm. happened. Oh, I remember. You know, yeah. we 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 lined up all the officers in the group. All right, now this is going to make some folks mad. Don't I care. Was, I was mad when it. I was honestly mad when it happened. Yeah, I, I'm used to seeing uh, a man like that came back from war with one arm and he's got a V on there. Mm -hmm. You know, the bronze star is supposed to mean something. We, we didn't do a whole lot over there and all the officers and, and the senior NCOs, I think first sergeants got them as well. But the only, the only officer that didn't get a bronze star, he got like a, you know, Mer MSM meritorious service medal or something. Right. He's the only one that didn't get it. And that was, and I know for a fact because he and our XO got in a fight right before they wrote all the, 
medals. And I just saw how petty that was. You know, it's like, this is ridiculous. And Talk that could very realistically change your career. Your yeah. Career oh, path. yeah, yeah. And it was like, so y'all had a difference of opinion. And the, the S2 was right, by the way. The, it was the, the guy that didn't get the bronze star. The fact, uh, I'll say, the fact that we're giving out bronze stars for what we did is ridiculous to me. I don't, I mean, an end of I tour agree. award, I don't have a problem with the idea of that. It shouldn't be a bronze star. Let that be for somebody that did something special. Even if it wasn't in combat, you ought to have done something kind of like, wow, good job. Yeah. Uh, but, and when you give everybody a trophy like that, that, that doesn't, it takes away the value for the guys that, uh, uh that did lose a leg, let's say. Yeah. The, the the girls that did, you know, go blind from an IED. I don't know. Right. Um, Participation culture in the United States Army in a mainline combat unit. Crazy. Yeah. Do it at, do it down at the T-ball or the soccer field. Don't do it in, in combat. <laughs> don't even do it there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the culture though, right? Like, and it's, it's propagated itself into a mainline unit. Think about how crazy that is for a second. And you know what? If you're listening out there and you're like, well, you know, I got a bronze star for the, you know, and I think that's offensive. Dude, I don't care. Yeah. And I'm not speaking for anyone else's yeah, bronze star. Right. I'm speaking for mine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's ridiculous. I was in the same kind of unit, bro. Yeah. We all line up at the end and there are guys getting, and I don't care who listens to this podcast. You got a bronze star from that tour and where we were at. That's ridiculous. Didn't deserve it. There's no, there's no spot for that. I got an ARCOM. Are you kidding me, dude? I'm like, my report on my thing for my ARCOM, I was like, okay, cool, dude. <laughs> didn't really, you know, did nothing special to deserve that. I never yeah. felt like I did. I was a search lead in a specialized detainee operational unit where we would take convoy and, you know, bad, real, real bad guys out and bring them in. And so I was a search leader. So I would like lead these guys and I supposedly caught like a thousand pieces of contraband or something Ooh. like that. Ooh, you're doing your job. Give that man a star. <laughs> you get yourself a gold star. <laughs> you know, like... I, who cares, bro? I was doing my job. Like, for me, when I told I was getting an ARCOM, I was like, oh, cool. So, this is like, what, candy now? Like, <laughs> Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're going to give it to you. An ARCOM, like, in World War II was like, did you lose three fingers? <laughs> yeah. You know? How many like, monks you take out, kid? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's well, actually. Four. <laughs> well, I went into the talk, and I got some coffee for Lieutenant <laughs> So-and-so. <laughs> like, you know, that, that whole culture has propagated itself in the United States military, which I think is sad. And listen, if you receive the Bronze Star or one of those things, it's not on you. Hey, you know, that's fine. I get it. It happens. But also, like the leadership that promotes that kind of thing, like you're part of the problem because you are giving guys awards for things that they didn't deserve. You're taking away from the very value of that award. And you're also making it look like some of our older brothers in Vietnam, Korea, and World War II culture didn't do much. And that bronze star is a big deal. I don't care if it has a V device on it or not. It's a big deal. My grandfather was a, a senior NCO in the Air Force during Vietnam, and he got a bronze star for a meritorious bronze star. Yeah. But you know what he did? They would, they would fly the planes that had been shot up over to where he, he was a radar technician. Mm -hmm. And he had a, uh, it was like a, you know, I've seen the citation, like 100%. There was never a plane down for very long when when grandpa and the gang got on that wow. thing like they had a quick turnaround time and i i was an xo i appreciate 
the the transportation crews that can turn a truck around fast. Yeah, yeah. That, there's nothing. You don't realize how valuable that is until they're they stay broke. You're and saving lives. Parts on order. That. You know, yeah. like that's you don't realize how valuable that is. Yes, Grandpa deserved a bronze, a meritorious bronze star. Absolutely. And then when I I look at mine, I'm like, I didn't. Nah, I I, I have a problem with mine. No, I'm not. I'm not like who are John Kerry throwing his stuff over the fence. The wall. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like that. <laughs> Come on, but bro. It's, but it's just Toss like, it. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to get the like bronze star license plate unless they start giving them out for free. Then I might. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not going to like pay money to have it on my license. Right. Plate yeah. On, on my vehicle. I get that totally, you know, and it's very different between the cultures. You know, I, I think it's very, uh, it's, it's kind of awesome. You know, when I talk to a lot of special operations guys and they're like, I'm like, hey, bro, did you get a Purple Heart? I don't see that anywhere. And they're like, oh, enemy marksmanship badge? No, nah, I'm good. Like that whole attitude and ideal, I wish it was more that way. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be proud of those things. Because, you know, I mean, in Texas, I know your kid gets free college education if you have a Purple Heart. Like it's paid for. Awesome. Well-deserved. I had a guy in my uh, unit who's our supply guy, and he was in another unit and uh, back in like 05, and he had a RPG coming through the window back when they had the hillbilly armor, mm. and it took their you know medic female medic's head off, went out the other side, and you know he got sprayed with all the shrapnel and blood that happened. You know, part of war obviously, but you know when he received Purple Heart, he had trap, he still had shrapnel marks yeah. all over his face, well deserved. However, when you see the ideals of like, you know, the special operations guys where it's like, oh man, you know, that's just, you know, got hit and, you know, it was an unfortunate Jared Bullock, another guy I covered, ran it. I go, bro, what do you say to people when they say you're a hero? And he goes, I say, I was really stupid and I drove over an IED. This guy lost his leg and his arm. Mm. <laughs> he goes, I was dumb. <laughs> and you're like, bro, don't you warn it like that? That could happen to anybody, you know? It's like, but he doesn't care. That's what he truly believes. He doesn't think anything highly of himself because that happened. In fact, he thinks badly of himself because his career ended mm. in special operations because that's what he wanted to do. He lived with that. His brother's still a Green Beret, twin brother. Wow. Um, and for me, I think like what you're saying is very powerful because, you know, it, it's it's just such a culture nowadays of like that, you know, deserve it. I deserve this. I served, and that that uh, and I. One thing I hate about the the culture is the uh, like the self love culture. Oh yeah, that is a license to be a selfish pig. In most cases, yeah. I understand. Like you, you got to take care of yourself yeah, to be able you to do. take care of others, yeah. and I understand that. But the vast majority of the time that it presents itself in my line of sight is mm -hmm. a selfish person that's always been selfish. Now they hear, you know, they oh no no no, it's it's totally cool to be a selfish pig because. I got to take care of myself. And I think that's um, that's not good. You know, I do. I have a problem with that elitist like kind of mentality where we get like, you know, I see like these priority lists placed in people's stories. It's like me, 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 you. And then it's like, dude, you don't realize like I get what the point you're making. Like you need to take care of yourself. But me does not come number one. Never in my life have I done something for myself where that has led to ultimate joy. The ultimate joy has come off of doing this project of like telling stories and shutting up and listening. And it, it's not that you can't take care of yourself. You should, obviously. But when that becomes a priority, dude, it's like you're, you're, you're headed to this, you know, you're on the selfish ship headed to selfish island, you know, and like that island is very lonely, you know, <laughs> you're already marooned on you're, selfish you're already island. Maroon. Yeah, that's true. You're already marooned. I, I think one of the best ways to get out of a dark place, a dark mental place, go help somebody. Mm, dude, I agree completely. You know what I mean? That's one of the, what's one of the best ways to get out of a funk or some kind of the, the doldrums or whatever you call it. Go help somebody. Yeah. Go find somebody that needs some help. 
and help them. It doesn't have to be money. It could be your time. It could be a phone call. Go see how they're doing. Yeah. You know, and that, I, I just think the, I don't agree with the, the self-love movement. Uh, in, in, I mean, some minor points, I suppose, yes. But um, but as a whole, uh, it's generally a, a license to, to be selfish. And uh, I mean, I think, yeah, think, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Mm. Think, think about somebody else for a change. And I bet you, you'll find yourself coming out of that dark place and that's happened to me a lot of times well we want our culture to be better right too like think about it collectively as a culture if everybody's going around and serving others first what does that look like i mean i think it would be beautiful yeah what do you what do you typically feel when you're around people that are selfless i feel a greater sense of love 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 for i think it inspires me to pass that kind of thing along yeah like man that guy really cared she really cared about my day I, that that was sincere yeah I, don't, I i need to ask someone some random cashier or bank teller or barista about their day later on and yeah. i think it, it has a chain reaction in a positive way well and, think about it from our culture in the suicide epidemic right mm. how often do you stave off suicide it's when you ask those questions very often and it's not going to save everyone listen i had a squad leader one of my best friends who killed himself and we were talking once every every other day and you know eventually it just got to be too much yeah. and you know, and he, he, in the end, he wanted to, you know, and that was just the product, the byproduct of that. But very often I found when suicide has been staved off or, you know, I've spoken to somebody and they ended up going and getting help. It was because you were being unselfish. Get on the phone, you call them up and you say, hey, bro, what's up, man? How are you? I haven't heard from you in a few days. Man, I just want to let you know I love you, dude. I love you. I care about you. Can you tell me about your day? What's going on? Yeah. Let me go pick you up. Let's get a cup of coffee. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go camping. Yeah. Remember, remember when we were, you know, younger, remember how we did whatever. Let's go do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I know we got off on a little bit of a rant on that last track, but for me, that's a little part of being an artist as well is the empathy side of that, you know, caring about people, loving people. Yeah. You want to provide the best product, right? When you're giving back on your voiceovers. Yeah. You know, and, and you've, and you continue to do that, um, within your art. And I think that inspires me, it inspires me through the podcast where you give other people a platform. Um, Thank you. I love what you do within that. Any last words for us? Can you <laughs> sounded <laughs> ominous? Uh, Don't walk out that door. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I uh, appreciate your, your artistic ability and your empathy for others and your thoughtfulness for others. I mean, I've seen, I've seen you have have a moment of sorrow when a, a memory came back up of a you know a buddy that was lost, you know, and that was real genuine sorrow. And I think that's beautiful because that's you know when I go, I would hope that you would have a moment like that about me. Oh yeah, you know, and I I just you're a wonderful person, and uh, I love what you're doing. Glad you I'm glad we're friends, dude. Me too, man. Yeah, man. No, yeah. Thanks. It's been fun. Shout out to the Instagram, man. Facebook, whatever. What are you on? Tell uh, us about it. I'm, I'm not super active. Uh, no, but I want I want people to be able to at least follow. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Um, and all that, so. <clears throat> Excuse me. On on any uh, the cultured bumpkin is on any you know wherever you get your podcast, you ought to be able to find it. That's my podcast under my uh, stage name, JC Jacobson. I'm also uh, JC Jacobson Audio on Facebook, and then on the old Instagram is just my name, Jake Phillips one one six. Yeah, and that's uh, you know that's my. That's the old Instagram. Awesome. Thank you. Well, yeah. I appreciate you coming on, Jake. It's honestly been a privilege to speak with you about these things. And I know that for a while that, you know, I've been friends with you and your brothers for a while now. And just 
for all you people listening out there, salt to the earth, man. This family, I know Jake would never claim it, but that, that's what makes them great, is that whole family is salt of the earth type people that you just genuinely feel love from immediately when you walk in the door. I know it's what I would always want my family to feel like. I know that I've been raised very well by amazing parents that have made me feel that way. So it's it's a privilege. When Every time I come back here to Mississippi, man, I feel like this is my home, you know? like So it's always a privilege. I tell people Mississippi is one of my favorite places in the world. They're it's awesome. like it's good to hear. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very natural reaction, you know. Normally, yeah. you think about different things, you know. But it, the the reality is, Mississippi is awesome. It's actually a really beautiful place if you come here, and it reminds me a lot of Texas. Texas. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't get a shout out to me for not saying one thing about Texas until now. I, I'm. I'm impressed that you made it this long. <laughs> we made it. Well, Jake, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you, Captain Phillips, the other Captain Phillips. <laughs> you know, I appreciate you. Um, I want to thank you for providing this space for us to do our podcast in. And Jake did the intro for the Vendors Project podcast. So the intro yeah. that you are about to hear will be Jake Phillips. Also did my video for me at Sornex when we were out there covering Brady Cervantes. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Tatanka. And um, we had a great time together, man. You are an artist, a true artist in the greatest sense of the word. So thanks for coming on, buddy. Love you. Absolutely. Love you too. And don't forget, everyone out there listening, our legacies are the mission. This has been the Veterans Project Podcast with our founder, Tim Kay. Check us out at www.thevetsproject.com, on Instagram at The Veterans Project, Facebook, The Veterans Project, and Twitter at project underscore veteran. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, our legacies are the mission.